John 1, 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light to all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have received the grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made himself known. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anna. Anna is one of our high school students. Um, so good morning, everyone. My name is John. I'm one of the other pastors here. It's great to have you here. And as Pastor Kevin said, today is a family Sunday. That means that instead of the kids heading off to kids' ministry, they're going to be staying with us. They're not just going to be in the service, they're going to be part of the service. And we do this every once in a while, very intentionally. So if you are a parent with a kid and you've got wiggles and whispers, don't worry about it. If you're sitting beside a family who has kids and there's wiggles and whispers, don't worry about it. We're all here together as part of the family of God, and so we do this on purpose to welcome the children in. Because it's a reminder that kids don't serve some watered-down junior Jesus. The same Jesus we worship is the same Jesus that they worship. Matthew 21, verse 16. Some kids are, are talking about Jesus, and the, and the scribes and the teachers of the law come to Jesus, and they say, do you hear what these children are saying? Well, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read that from the lips of children and infants you, Lord, have called forth your praise? I think what Jesus is saying is that kids can do church stuff too. So kids are not just in the service, they're part of the service. And today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we as a team are going to unpack the Advent of Christ a little more. We've been looking at the Gospel of John, and we're reminded that although Jesus came as a baby, he was not just a baby. He was the Word who created everything and holds it together. That that baby was the light and life of humanity. That that baby was God who became man so that we might become children of God. This is the Christ who came to a weary, weary world. So today we're looking at verses 14 through 18, and starting at verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. 
And some of us might be confused by the word becoming flesh. We might think, what word? Or we might say, ew, gross. But very few of us are surprised by this. Maybe confused, maybe familiar, but not surprised. But back in the Bible days, the word was so spiritual and so pure and so far up there that nobody could really imagine that the word would move even an inch down. And for other people, flesh, the muscle, the skin and bones, all of this stuff, it was so dirty and low and earthly that they could never imagine that something good would ever choose to become flesh. And so the word become flesh was surprising because the amazing, incredible thing that was all the way up there came all the way down here. It's incredible. And not just that he came, but that he made his dwelling among us. One way to think of it is that he put up his tent or he moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and lived with us. And if you remember a long, long time before Jesus, God's presence was in a tent called the tabernacle. So if you wanted to talk to God, you had to go on a journey to the tabernacle. But once you got there, only a few people could go in, and those people could only go in once a year. And later there was a building called the temple. But before Jesus, God's presence was in a building. And it was a long journey, only a few people could go in, and only sometimes. So what does it mean that Jesus became a baby? It meant that God wasn't in a tent or a building, but he was in our neighborhood. God had an address. It meant that anyone could talk to God anytime, not just a few people once a year. And it meant that something a long time ago and far, far away was all of a sudden right here and right now. And that's why Christmas is special. We remember that the Word became flesh and dwelled with us. Now, our kids have been working hard on a couple of songs. I'm going to invite our juniors up. And our juniors are three and four years old. And they are going to sing a song about this special night. So if you are part of the juniors, I'm going to invite you to come on up.
Kids, that was amazing. All of the animal songs and the singing and brotherly love. <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank you. And thank you. Uh, the song was just a couple minutes long. But if you know kids, you know that was hours of work for the volunteers. And so, spe like, special thank you to the people who work with our kids. Yeah. Now, a question for you this morning. How do you imagine Jesus? Was Jesus tall or short? Did he have a high voice? were low and booming. Did Jesus like coffee or tea? Did he walk quickly or slowly? I don't know how you imagine Jesus, but normally when I imagine Jesus, I imagine someone who looks a lot like me. And it's not always bad, it's not always wrong, but I'm definitely not always right. And I have to be careful that if I'm imagining Jesus to be like me, I might actually be imagining him not quite like his he is. There's a quote from a movie where one of the characters says this. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt. Because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with an angel band, and I'm in the front row. Does that sound like Jesus? No. I think there's a lot of ways to get it right. I think this guy picked one of the ways to get it wrong. But what does he say? He says, I like this, so I like Jesus to like this. And see, we might not picture Jesus as the lead singer in a rock band, but I think we do just what this guy's doing. See, I like to cycle, so I like my Jesus to cycle. I like good food. I like my Jesus to like good food. And that's okay, I think. But what about if someone hurts me and I want to hurt them back? Well, I like my Jesus to want to hurt them back. What if the most important thing to me is comfortable things? Well, if that's what's important to me, well, I like my Jesus to think that comfortable things are the most important thing. Or maybe I think I'm always right, so I like my Jesus to think I'm always right. And see, that's where we start to get in trouble. When we make Jesus more and more like me, I think actually what I'm doing is making me into Jesus. That all of a sudden I've replaced Jesus with just a version of myself. But Jesus came to help us out of that trap. In verse 14 of John 1, it says that we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And glory has three parts. One is light. You might remember in the Christmas story, it says that the shepherds were in the field, the angels appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It's light. Second is weight. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod. It means a weight or a heaviness. It's like if you're in a room and a really important person walks in, you're like, whoa, better be quiet, better be good. There's a weight to it. But the third, I think the third is the most important one. It's the essence, the true nature. That glory is the true nature of God, and Jesus came to show us his glory, to show us who he really, truly is. He's not a smaller version of me. He's much, much more. So Matthew Warnock shared last week a couple of the titles of Jesus, and 
There's just a few that I want to share. That Jesus was the word, he was the true light, he was the life of all humanity. He's God, he's the creator, he's king, he's full of grace, he's full of truth. Jesus came not to just be who we think he should be, or however we imagine him. He came to show us who he truly is, to reveal to us his glory. And so the K-5 students are going to come up, and they're going to sing a song about Jesus' glory. And I'm going to invite Gemma as well, who's going to do a reading before the song. So Gemma and the K-5 students... And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I give you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests.
Thank you, K to five students. Thank you too to the leaders who worked so hard on that song. That was wonderful. Did you notice some of the themes popping out there? The glory, the king has come. Jesus revealing who he truly is. We continue. John verse, first, sorry, John chapter 1, verse 15. It says that John testified concerning Jesus. He cried out, saying, The one I spoke about when I said he could, this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Kevin encouraged you to call me a name. And that name was Pastor Daniel. And Daniel's my middle name, which is fine. But Pastor Kevin did this because he said things were getting a little bit confusing in this sermon series. I don't think it's confusing at all. My name is John, and this morning we're talking about the Gospel of John, written by John the Apostle, who is one of Jesus' disciples. And John the Apostle is writing about John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was like Jesus' cousin. And so what we have is John the Reeser talking about John the Apostle, talking about John the Baptist, talking about Jesus. It's very simple. There is no need to call anyone Daniel. Unless your name is Daniel, in which case that makes sense. But John the Baptist here, he's sharing his testimony, his experience about Jesus, talking about who Jesus is. Now sometimes we treat Jesus just like an idea, a character in a storybook, and we do read stories about Jesus in a book, and so we're tempted to treat him like a storybook character. But Jesus is not just a character. He was God who became flesh. And he's here today. And so let me ask you, who is Jesus to you? Is he just a character in a book? And does he have some really neat stories? Or does he actually impact your life? Have you seen his glory? One way to tell whether we're treating Jesus like a book character or a real person is whether we only talk about him in the past tense or the present tense. Whether we talk about just the stories he used to do or the things he is doing in my life. When you read the Christmas story, lots of people knew about Jesus, but they were also impacted. In Luke 1.46, when Mary found out that she would have the baby Jesus, she said, my soul glorifies the Lord. The shepherds, as the kids sang earlier, that when they saw the angels and then they went to see Jesus, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen in Luke 2.20. In Luke 2.28, when baby Jesus was being dedicated at the temple, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he praised God. Anna was also there at the temple and she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child Jesus to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And a little bit later in Jesus' life, in Matthew 2.1, it says that the wise men, when they came to Jesus' house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So he's not just an idea or a character, but actual impacting our lives and overflowing in worship. See, I talk a lot about Jesus in my job, but I often have to ask myself whether I'm just talking about Jesus or is actually having my life changed by him. Does knowing Jesus bring me to worship? Am I any different? To just hear the story is to miss the point. Jesus wants to change our lives too, to give us that experience with him, same as John the Baptist. So I'm going to invite 
Isaac Schmaling. Where is, there's Isaac. Isaac is going to come up, and he's going to bring his boys with him. So Isaac and the boys. A couple are coming down from up. Hello? Isaac's young men over here. My name is Isaac. I'm a grade four or five leader downstairs. Um, let's go down the line and introduce ourselves. What's your name and what grade are you in? Uh, my name's Jonas and I'm in grade four. My name's Isaac and I'm in grade five. Excellent name. I'm, my name is Andy and I'm in grade three. Good to hear. All right, we're going to do a little interview here. I got some questions for you guys and uh, you're going to answer them. <laughs> we're all so glad to be here, I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> So, Jonas, how did you first hear about Jesus? Uh, my family. That's a great answer. Isaac, what would you say? Uh, church. Also a great answer. Church and prayer. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, well, Jonas, from your family and from church, what have you learned about Jesus? Uh, that he is the Savior and he came to help us and uh, keep us safe. Very true. I like that. He sacrificed his life for us. Also true. That he is, is infinite and will never end. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are the ones doing the talking. <laughs> if you were to tell people one thing about Jesus, what would it be? What do you want to leave these guys with this morning? Uh, probably that he'll never leave you. Wow. Wait, what was the answer again? The answer is going to come from your brain. The question is, if you were going to tell people one thing about Jesus, what would it be? He's the king of kings. Really nice, Isaac. If you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much for your answers. Somebody please take this thing away from me. It's not just hearing about Jesus, but actually encountering him. So thank you, Isaac. Thank you, the boys, the young men. Verse 16 and 17 of John 1, it says, Out of his fullness we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we often describe grace as something that is given, not earned, in the Bible, another word for grace, a very similar, is gift. So instead of grace in place of grace, we could say gift in place of gift that God has given us. The first gift was the law from Moses. Now, the Old Testament doesn't always feel like a gift. Sometimes it's difficult to understand, it feels heavy, but it was how God revealed himself to people. The Old Testament was Jesus' Bible. He loved the Old Testament. And so that was a gift, but God kept giving gifts. So there was gift upon gift upon gift. He gave us, through Jesus, the gift of grace and the gift of truth. The gifts just keep getting better. This is one of the ways that God shows his love for us is that he gave us these gifts. And I think it's amazing that he didn't just give the gifts, but he showed up himself to give them in person. And sometimes we talk about love languages. How many people are familiar with the love languages? Yeah. 
There's five love languages. I'm sure there's more, but it's just a way to understand how do we express love, how do we understand love, and, and there's five we often talk about. Physical touch, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, and spending time together. So there's five. Now, when we think about Jesus, what did he do? Well, he gave gifts of grace. He showed up and spent time with people. He touched people to heal them and to bless them. He spoke words of hope and truth, and he lived his life as a servant. And so we hear, see here God's love expressing itself to us through Christ. And Christmas is a reminder of all the ways that God has poured his love out to us and that we too can pour that love out to others. So I'm going to invite up Kirby and Sandy and their grandkids Samuel and Jordan. Matthew Warnock, can you just help me set up a couple chairs here? And they're going to share a little bit about God's love with us. Well, good morning. We're getting to a special time of year, Christmas. So tell me, what kind of things do you like about Christmas? Getting presents and giving presents. Santa and, sp and spending special time with family and friends. Jordan, is there anything else? No. I also like having special food. Okay. Does anybody like not having school for two weeks? <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned presents. Now, what kinds of ways are there to give presents? Sam, do you want to go first? We can buy presents. We go to the dollar store every Christmas with my grandparents, and we buy presents for our secret Santa and everybody in our family. Make presents. Make presents, okay. Yeah, I just had a birthday, and I got some presents from you guys. I mean, uh, I got this wonderful statement from Sam, who wrote me a beautiful, beautiful thing. And Jordan, I guess I look like this. And so Jordan <laughs> said that she did that for me for my birthday. Thank you, guys. Sometimes we also do something for other people. It's a gift, and we try to be loving and kind. Jordan, did you do something after school on Thursday? What did you do? I brought my friend an umbrella since she forgot it in our school. Right, yeah, you ran out to the playground to find her. You did great. And Sam, you want to say something else that you did Friday after school? Our school gathers food and gifts for families who don't have a lot of money. Then we deliver it to their houses. On Friday after school, we went with my mom to drop off gifts. I couldn't believe how good it felt to give this to them. Well, you know, there are some times that you guys do some really thoughtful and kind gifts to us. And one of those is when, Sam, we're at church. I just love it when you hold my hand and then you lean your head against my shoulder. It's just so 
it makes me feel so loved and cared for. And Jordan, the thing I love about you is when you see us so many times, you'll run up to us and grab us and give us the biggest hug. It makes me feel really good. But do you know what your kindness and hugs really mean to me? Yes? Okay. <laughs> That's a good answer. When I was a little boy, uh, my parents were really not into giving gifts uh, at our birthdays or Christmas. In fact, one time, my only gift was a jar of olives. Now, I like olives, but I, I think I was expecting a little bit more than that. And so, it, it also, even though they didn't give me presents, uh, the hardest thing was that they didn't give me the gift of love or emotional support. And for a lot of years, it felt, I felt very depressed and alone. I didn't even feel very loved. And then I went to university, and I met your grandmother. And she cared for me just like who I was, with all my faults and warts and everything else. And, but the one gift that she gave me was that she helped me to know about God. And it was the first time that I felt really loved and cared for. When we were first uh, blessed with grandchildren... Uh, we, we were trying to think of something that we could do for them. And uh, I kindly, finally came up, and I'm not a woodworker. I don't know what I'm doing. But I decided for the boys, I would make a box that was a keepsake box. And for the girls, I would make a jewelry box. Now, Brooklyn, don't tell Brooklyn, but this is Brooklyn's jewelry box that we'll give her when she's three years old. And so... What we do, and it's got a little layer in here for her stuff, and so we give her that jewelry box. But the most important thing about it is to tell the kids that uh, Grandma and I really love them. But the big thing is I hope that they realize that God loves them. So what do you do with these boxes? Jordan, do you do anything with yours? I put my jewelry in and my money in. Okay, Sam, what about yours? I keep special things in mine. The real purpose is to remind you that you are loved by God by having these boxes. That's why we've given to you. Sam, would you like to read? We have a verse that summarizes what we are trying to say today. It is something I always want to remember. First John verse 4, verse 19. We love because God first loved us. Thank you, Hannah Walt family, for giving us just a peek into God's love at work in your family. Verse 18 in John chapter 1, it concludes with this. No one has ever seen God. 
But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This reminds us back to verse 1, where it says, The one who is face to face with the Father, the one who is in the Father's lap, who is fully God and yet a different person from God, he has come to introduce himself to us, to show us who God really is, like the Ikea showroom. This is how all this stuff is supposed to look, is what Jesus is doing. He came to bring light into our darkness. He came to become a son of man so that we could become children of God, to show us who he really is, to change our lives and express his love to us. So I'm going to invite the band up. And as they come up, I have a few questions for us to consider. First, does Christmas seem special to you? And I'm not talking songs and trees and decorations, but Christ's coming. Does it seem special? And if not, perhaps we've forgotten the significance of what has happened, that that the one that was way up there came all the way down here to be with us. Secondly, do you like your Jesus to look like you? Does Jesus like what I like, want what I want? And he exists kind of as a, a big divine stuffy. He makes me feel really good, but he doesn't do much. If so, I'm wondering if it's not Jesus we see. And to take time to see the glory of Jesus revealing who he really is rather than who we imagine him to be, it might be uncomfortable. We might find ourselves challenged. Maybe I'm not always right. Maybe life isn't always easy. But when we experience the truth that Jesus is good and invites us into the best for our lives. Third, is Jesus a storybook character for you or is he impacting your life? Let's take a couple of seconds and think, what is Jesus doing in my life right now? And if something comes to mind, we have the opportunity to say, thank you, Jesus. If nothing comes to mind, we can say, Jesus, can you show me if you're doing something that I just don't see? Or maybe we can invite him to begin something amazing. And last... Have you received God's love? He offers it freely, and whether you've heard this a thousand times or just today, I would encourage you to receive that love. That as I think it was Chris shared earlier, John 3:16, that God says He loved, it says that God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Life full of beauty and harmony that never fades away. This isn't just a one-time thing, it's an everyday thing. We receive his love every day. And as we receive him, we become children of God. As it says in 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Merry Christmas, Aldergrove. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we ask you would show us who you truly are. Give us a glimpse of your glory. Teach us what it means to receive your love, to receive you, And as we do what it means that we become children of God, I pray that we would take you out of the stories, invite you into our lives, and that this Christmas would be incredibly special. And so we thank you that you came as a baby, but you weren't just a baby. So help us to see that. We pray this in your name. Amen.